Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, guys, we're, we're working our way through... First Thessalonians, and we're focusing on the issue about having faith in these times of uncertainty. And, you know, the reality is, is we do live in uncertain times. You just need to look at the news. And so many negatives that are happening in your life, it may be a doctor's report, it may be just looking at how the culture is going, looking at how the economy is going. And, and the reality is, is that kind of wonder how how do I live my Christian life in the midst of this? How do I how do I express who I am? How do I live for him in the midst of a culture and a world that really doesn't care about your Jesus? That really doesn't really have an interest at all. How do we do that? And today especially we're going to look at the last part. There's some closing comments before he gets to some instructions here in chapter three. Paul's going to reflect upon their lives a little bit, and he's going to talk to them about what's most important. And I think it's so important for you and I to hear that. Because you think about the culture that we live in and the shift that's taking place, and it's happening rapidly. You think about the uncertainty that we live in and the stuff that you face on a daily basis, sometimes a weekly basis, a monthly basis. It's really important for us to understand what we need to be focused on. It's really important for us to understand what is important for our Christian lives, for your Christian life, for my Christian life. What do I need to be focused on? And now some of you have been in church for years, and maybe you heard for years that the most important thing is that you share your faith. You tell others about Jesus. Well, yes, that's important, but I'm going to be honest with you folks, that's not most important. Really? Really, we're going to see that in a moment. Some of you maybe have heard that the most important thing for you to do is to just serve Jesus with all that you can, to be involved with everything. I'm going to tell you something, that's important, but that's not what's most important. It's actually something far better, far greater that we need to be conceiving in our understanding that's more important than anything. You say, okay, George, what is it? What's more important than anything, than, than sharing your faith or being involved or even attending church or giving or any of that, what's more important than anything is that your faith is growing. That your faith in Jesus Christ and the reality of who he is, the Son of God, is growing, is maturing, is deepening. That's more important than anything else. Why? Because all that other stuff, sharing your faith, being there for other people in the name of Jesus, serving, being involved, giving, and all of that, folks, if you don't have a deep faith, if you don't have a faith that is maturing, all that other stuff is is meaningless. Because you cannot give what you don't have. Do you understand what I'm saying? You cannot give what you don't have. And is it any wonder that when people listen to us talk about our Jesus, they're really not really interested in it because it's not that real to us. Because our faith isn't increasing. Our faith isn't maturing. And that's what we're going to talk about today is that we need to focus on what's really important in your life. 
what's really important. And, and, you know, so many different things can distract us from what's important. What do you mean? Like for some of you, maybe you've messed up. Maybe you've done something wrong in your past and, and you're haunted by whatever happened 20 years ago, 10 years ago, last week. And so in your mind, you're thinking, well, you know, I really can't really focus on my faith, George, because you don't know what I did. I'm going to tell you something right now, folks. It really doesn't matter what you did. Because you can't gain your acceptance with God. God accepts you because of what Jesus did for you. And so, yeah, you messed up. There is forgiveness. So now you focus on what you need to focus on. Now you focus on maturing in your faith, growing in your faith, trusting in him. Isn't that what faith is? Faith is not just a belief in. Faith is a trust in, a commitment to. What God reveals about himself, even in spite of circumstances. So let's look at it together. We're going to look at verses 6 through 13 this morning. If you have your Bibles, if you're using a pew Bible, that's page 624. We're going to look at chapter 3 there of this letter. Look at what Paul says. He's going to talk about the Thessalonians personally, about a report that he got from, from his dear son in the faith, Timothy. Look at what he says. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love, that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. And for what thanks we render to God for you, for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God, night and day praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and the Lord and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our ways to you. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love towards one another and towards all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. All right, folks, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take this section of verses, and we're going to divide it into two sections. We're going to see faith lived out, and then we're going to see empowerment. Faith lived out, we're going to see that in verses 6 through 10. And then we're going to see Paul's prayer here for their empowerment, our empowerment, in verses 11 through 13. So let's talk about faith lived out. Verse 6, he's going to make a point there. He gets a report from Timothy about how well they're doing, and He's going to say this about the Corinthians, and this needs to be true about us too, that there was a testimony of faith and love. There was a testimony from their life about faith. Faith in what, George? Faith in a set of beliefs? No, faith in the living God. You understand, faith is more than just having a simple set of beliefs. You can believe in God, but that doesn't impact your life. How do I know that? How do you know that, George? Well, think about what James says in his letter, that even the demons believe and tremble. The demons know that God exists, but that's not changing their activities. That's not changing their rebellion against God. So it's got to be more than just belief. It's faith, a commitment to, a trust in. And it was very much expressed in their testimony that they had faith, but the other aspect of it is that they had love. What do you mean love? Love not just for God but love for people. 
So the thing that we're going to see here is that faith lived out is, is that there's a testimony. Now let me just stop for a moment. Before we say we've got to kind of clarify what a testimony is. A lot of times we think of testimony as something as something verbal. So were they verbally expressive about their faith and their love? Did they go around saying, oh, I believe in Jesus and I love people? No, the implication of the testimony here is it's more than just words. These people had a life that reflected their trust in God, their faith in God, their faith in Jesus, and their love for other people. Do you know what I mean by that? Do you understand by let's let's take for a moment the whole issue of love. I mean, how real is it when somebody says to you they love you but they treat you like garbage? Do they really love you? Their actions speak louder than their what? Their words, right? And they could testify all day long, oh I love you as they're beating you, and you know better, right? Because their actions Speak louder. It's the same thing. The reality is it doesn't matter how much you tell me you love Jesus and how much you tell me you love other people. If that's not expressed in your life, how do I know that faith can be expressed in your life? How do you handle stuff that happens? What do you do when the next crisis comes? Is there a trust in God? Do you have faith in him that he'll see you through it? Does your faith guide the way you live your life? Can people see through your life that there there obviously is a belief in Jesus there? That's what he was. When he heard the report about their faith and love, he was excited because they obviously expressed what they believed and their love for each other through their lives. That's the first aspect that we need to be maturing in, isn't it? How are we doing? You know, if you measured your spirituality not by how many things you're sharing, how much you put in the offering plate... But if you measured your spirituality by, does your life reflect what you believe? And do you, are you genuinely caring for other people? Are you genuinely caring? We, that would be a great question for all of us to ask. And I have to be honest with you, if I were to reflect upon that question, I'm really lacking. Really, George? Yeah, I'm a human being. I mean, it's easy for me to love my family. It's easy for me to love my close friends. But the clerk who doesn't do right at Walmart, you got to be kidding me, right? The waitress who ignores me at the restaurant and I'm waiting for my glass to be refilled for 15 minutes? That's rubber meets the road, right? So do you have that testimony of faith and love? Here's, here's what I want you to see about it. As you continue on there in verse 6, look at what he says there. And you always have good remembrance of us and greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Here's the other thing about faith lived out. Relationships were important. Relationships were important. Paul heard not just that they were doing well in their faith and their, and, 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 and their love. The other thing he heard was is that they really were interested in the relationship with the apostle. They wanted to see the apostle. And the apostle says, I'm so excited to hear that you want to see me. I want to see you too. What's going on there? Relationships were important. You know, I'm, I'm going to be flat out honest with you. I'm learning this as I'm getting older. As I was younger, I tended to focus more on myself and what I wanted. That's normal. That's our culture, isn't it? Because if you don't look out for yourself, who's going to look out for you? But as I'm getting older, here's the realization that I'm coming to, and I wish I had learned it sooner, that more important than what I achieve in this life, more important than what I gain for myself, are the relationships that I have with other people, the relationships with family, 
relationships with friends, the relationships with church family. Did you understand what I'm saying? Relationships were important. Think about that. How important are relationships in your life? Your faith expresses that. Did you understand what I'm saying? The reality is, is that relationships need to be important. In fact, I'm going to be honest with you. For a church, that's got to be important. You know, I've been involved in church where fights have taken place, people getting upset with each other. You've been involved with that. I'm going to tell you something. At the center of it was pure selfishness, wasn't it? And I'm going to be honest with you. At the center of it was an attitude where people didn't care about what it did to other people. And I can already tell you right now, relationships didn't matter. Relationships were expendable. All that mattered is what they got. And all that mattered was that they were right and who's going to win. What I'm learning is is that for a church, it's so much more than that, isn't it? It's about relationships. And isn't that what our Lord Jesus said when he said to the, the, uh, to the apostles on that day in the upper room in John? He says this, By this shall they know that you are my disciples. By this shall they know that you are my followers. What? Your love for one another. Relationships are important. It's not about who's right. It's about relationships. He goes on there. Look, one other thing he says there. Look with me, verse 7 and 8. And here's what he said. This, and this, I read this, and I can't help but feel the same way as him. He said, therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live. If you stand fast in the Lord. What's he talking about here, George? Well, the evidence of their faith brought encouragement to the apostle. The evidence of their faith brought encouragement. So maybe you're going through something. But even in spite of what you're going through, are you encouraged because maybe in your loved one or in somebody that you are friends with, that you care, you're seeing them doing well in their faith and love in Jesus Christ? Hey, I'm going to tell you something. One of the things that stirs me as a pastor, that makes me want to go on the next day, especially when times are tough, and times do get tough, I'm like you, stuff happens, is when I see somebody who's maturing, and I see evidence of their life and their faith in Jesus and that they're growing. That's an encouragement. Like that, That's why I'm here. It's when you're a parent and you see your children growing and heading in the right direction, that brings you encouragement, like, Right? Because, I mean, there's some days that you are wanting to pull your hair out, right? You can tell tell why I'm losing it here, okay? Right? And, you know, the question is, is does your faith, does your trust, does your commitment to Jesus bring encouragement to others around you? Does it? That's a, that's a good question, isn't it? Because for the Thessalonians, their faith was such that it brought encouragement to the apostle, even in spite of his infliction, even in spite of the difficulties that he was going through. That's the other thing. Here's one more thing that we see there. Look with me at verse 9 and 10, and here's what his desire was for them. For what thanks can we render to God for you, for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God, night and day praying exceedingly that we may see your face, and perfect what is lacking in your faith. What in the world is he talking about here, George? There was a desire to see faith matured. There was a desire to see the people that he cared for, these Thessalonians, that they would mature in their faith, that they would grow in their faith, that they would grow in their trust of God. 
Let me just help you to understand that. Let me ask you something. We're human beings. Is it easy for you to trust anybody? Do you do you establish trust immediately upon meeting them? Hi, my name's George. What's your name? Oh, hi. You can trust me now, right? We just met. Well, we ain't that dumb, right? I mean, you've got to prove yourself, right? You've got to prove yourself for me to trust you. And if you mess up, buddy, it's going to take a whole lot longer to build trust, right? Same thing's true in your relationship with God. Yes, we trust God because he's God. Yes, we know he, he sent his son to die for us. Yes, we know he loves us. But how well do you trust him? How well is your faith matured? Do you understand what I'm saying? That takes time, doesn't it? That takes time because as soon as a crisis happens, as soon as the world blows up, how's your trust in God? If you're like me, I'm trying to figure it out on my own first, right? I may not even talk to him in prayer about it because I'll talk to 50 other people. What do you think I should do? And the reason why it's 50 is because I'm waiting for the person who's going to tell me what I think I should do. It's all about trust. And so what he's desiring here from them, what needs to happen in all of our lives, is that we what? We mature in our faith. That's what he talks about perfection here. Perfecting here is an issue of maturing. That you and I would have our faith and our trust in God matured. And that we would see him doing and, and, and working in such a way that when the next time it comes, we're like, that ain't a thing because my God's with me. Did you understand what I'm saying? I mean, think about it for a moment. Think about the, the Old Testament story in Daniel. We tell it in our Sunday schools about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing before Nebuchadnezzar, and they're supposed to bow down to the golden image. And if they don't bow down, they're going to be thrown into the what? Fiery furnace. And remember their, their statement, O king, live well, but we're not going to bow down to your image. And our God can deliver us, but if not, we're still not going to bow down. I mean, did they just all of a sudden become that trusting in God? No. What you're seeing there is faith that's matured to trust him in spite of what happens. How's your faith? Is it maturing? You say, okay, George, it's not. What do we do about it? Well, look here. Look at how he prays for them. He gives what is kind of a doxology here in verses 11 through 13. Let me, let me just read it to you, and I'm going to point out four things to you here as we talk about empowerment. Here's what I want you to see. Now, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Four things I want you to see here. First of all, his prayer expresses some desires here. So what's the first one? There was a desire for their love to overflow to each other. There was a desire that the love, the the love of God within them. See, when you come to Christ, the Holy Spirit enters into your life. God himself lives within you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. And that love would flow out of your life towards each other. So the first desire he had for them is that they would be loving towards each other. Great way to pray, isn't it? That we would flow out of our lives love. You know, and that that really says a lot about how we should be as a church. You ever been in a church you walked in and people were just kind of like snubbing each other, judging each other? 
I mean, it's like you're just kind of like, wow, man, holy cow, don't sit in that seat. That's their seat. Ever been in a church like that? I've been in a church like that. I can tell you right now, one thing you don't feel when you go to a church like that is what? Loved. Man, may we never be like that. And so when I see the apostle praying here that love would overflow from their life towards each other, I'm thinking, Lord, that's got to be our prayer here. That's got to be our prayer here. So in order for your faith to increase, the first thing that's got to happen is is you've got to be overflowing with love towards each other. Now, let me explain something to you. What does that mean, George? Well, I'm going to tell you how you get there. Is Number one, you're going to have to be, are you ready for this, forgiving. What do you mean, George? The reason why we don't express love towards each other is because maybe we've got an attitude. We didn't like the way they parked in the parking lot. They didn't say something to us when we said hi this morning. Maybe they took the last of your favorite creamer on the back table for their coffee. Do you know what I'm saying? And so we've got to learn to be what with each other? Forgiving. Do you understand? Because, you know, here's the reality. Can I be honest with you? I mean, let's just take it like it is. This is church. So what does church do? Church is a place of real people. So what does that mean? Somebody's going to take you off here. Just wait for the next dinner. And your table gets called last. And you're looking over there. Is there a little slice of that pie left? And then by the time you... And the guy in front of you takes it. And you're like, that was my... I wanted that pie. Yeah, we're laughing, but that's real, right? We're going to fail each other. But here's what love does. Love is, love covers, isn't it what Isaiah says? Love covers a multitude of sins. We need to abound in love for each other. Here's not, not just that, but here, I want, here's the next one. And I think the Christian church today in America needs to hear this next one. Here's what it is. There's a desire for their love to overflow to everyone. Look at what he says there, verse 12. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love towards one another. And then the next part there, and to all. Who's he talking about all? The first part, you know who he's talking about. He's talking about the the church. Who's he talking about to all? Folks, that's everybody else. All means all, and that's all all means. And even though the culture is turning upside down, and and the guy you work with at work is a jerk, and the clerk got your order wrong, You need to be forgiving to other people, right? You need to be forgiving to others around you. You need to express love. Even if they did beat the Steelers. You know what I'm saying? You need to express love to everyone. I mean, just right there, those two things. How are we doing on that? I'm going to tell you right now, when I look at my life, not too well. How are we doing? We do need the empowerment of the Spirit in our life, don't we? But there's two more things here. Two more things I want you to see here. Here's what I want you to see. There is a desire, verse 13, that their hearts would be strengthened. Look at what he says there, verse 13. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all of his saints. Here's the other thing. He, he has a desire that they would be strengthened in their heart. Why? Why does he want to see them strengthened? You know, that's my desire for you. Why do I want to see you strengthened in your faith? Why do I want to see you strengthened in your walk with God? Why do I want to see you strengthened in your life? Because, folks, we live in a real world. And stuff happens. And you will get pink slips sometime. 
and your engine will go out on your vehicle. And a bill will show up that you weren't expecting. And the doctor will tell you something you don't want to hear. And a crisis will happen in your family. And stuff happens. Stuff that you didn't create. And, and that's bad enough that we have to deal with the stuff that we didn't create. But what about the stuff that we create for ourselves that's terrible? And in the midst of those times, those that's when we may kind of reach the crisis of our faith, don't we? That's when it shakes us to the core and we wonder, God, are you there? God, do you care? God, do you love me? Why is this happening to me, God? See, he's praying. There's a desire that their hearts would be established, that their hearts would be strengthened. Here's one other thing he prays for them, and I think this is powerful. You need to think about that. There's a desire that they would stand blameless before Jesus. The apostle is going to go a little bit further here. He's not just concerned about how they are right now. He's concerned about the day when they will stand before Jesus Christ, the judge of this world. And he wants them to stand blameless. And how do you stand blameless before Jesus? You stand because you have faith. You persevered in your faith. What do you mean by that, George? Well, you know, one day, I'm going to die. And one day, I'm going to stand before Christ. And, and, and the call will go out. What do the books record? What is the record? And my deeds will be reflective that I was a sinner. And worthy of death. And the question will be, what, what, what justifies this one? What justifies this one? What, what is it? And they'll see in the one book, the book of life. His name is written here, Lord. Because he didn't trust in himself. He didn't trust in his deeds. He had faith in what you did for him, Jesus. And he'll say, enter into my rest. Enter into the joy of paradise. Not because of what I did, but because of my trust in Jesus and my faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? I ain't that good. You ain't that good enough to make it. What justifies us is that we have faith. And that was his desire. His desire is that they would one day stand blameless. Not because they were blameless, because folks, we ain't that blameless, right? But because we were made blameless by who? Jesus. See, that's what's most important, isn't it? It's not what we do for Jesus. It's not how much we give, not how many times we come to church, not how many times you read your Bible. It's what you believe. It's what you trust in. It's what you're committed to. It's our faith. And that, my friends, 
Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.